Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast, because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA Podcast on wearecavan.com. On this week's show, we're going to be looking back over the weekend's Hotel Kilmore Senior and Intermediate Championship results from Cavan. We'll be giving you an update on the latest in the race for the Cavan Senior Football Manager. Uh, we have reaction to Cavan Ladies' defeat with Sinead Green um, at the hands of Monaghan. And uh, we'll also be discussing handball, where there's a, a large contingency of Cavan people over at the Worlds in the United States. And, of course, to discuss handball, you couldn't be joined by anybody more knowledgeable than Paul Fitzpatrick from the Anglo Celt. Yeah, out of the court, maybe. It wouldn't be that knowledgeable in the court, as my trophy cabinet will show. Well, you, you could be knowledgeable in the court, but maybe... Other attributes just might be, uh, just be very careful what you say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll sidestep that nice and quickly. We'll run into maybe we'll start off with the, the cabin manager's job. Um, the, the word is interviews taking place over the next forty eight hours. Um, Dan and that I suppose the, the latest is I can confirm Jason O'Reilly has pulled out of the running. Um, he explained to me that the time it would take to put a management team together and the full details of that management team right down to the the minute and the finite details it just was 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 too difficult to do while trying to prepare a team for a senior championship at the same time so um he he just run a cropper with that yeah and uh, there's one outside candidate in the mix who we can name now at last because we were we were tiptoeing around it's Aidan O'Rourke from our um and his backroom team is Stephen Poacher, the Cardo coach from Down, and Mike McGorn, uh, the strength and conditioning man who worked with Bernard Dunn, world champion boxer, and the Irish rugby team. Very highly mm. rated strength and conditioning man. Uh, that's their key members of his backroom, backroom team. Uh, and I think there's a well-regarded former Cavan footballer who may or may not be part of that as well. I think that's not confirmed. I don't know any more than that. So I know that Aidan O'Rourke has been interviewed tonight as well. That's Tuesday, so it's Tuesday afternoon now. Uh, also in the mix, Damien, I think, is Michael McDermott uh, from Rammer. There was talk that he might have Donny Buckley yeah. as part of his backroom team, which would be exciting if, if it came to, to Which fruition. would be. Now, the, the, I know that Donny Buckley has been up and he's trained Rammer on a number of occasions in the last few months. Um, but I think from a source that's fairly close to Buckley that he's not available um, until next March or April time through a different commitment. So um, I, I think that that there, Michal McDermott is definitely in the running and is getting interviewed, but I don't think Buckley is on the, on the ticket with him. Right, well, his name was mentioned. You, you, you know, there's a lot of rumours going around and mm. you hear from rock-solid sources and then you hear from the, from the next fella that, that, that it's wrong because everyone is keeping their cards close to their chest. Everyone is in the, the race. That's what's leaving these conflicting stories coming out. Yeah. Um, but look, it's, it's going to be interesting. Peter Riley... His intentions are unknown. I think that he's not running, um, but he may be part of a setup with someone else. And there's also talk that Mickey Graham may have Dermot McCabe involved in his setup again. Rumor, 
And Martin uh, Corey, who is currently helping out up in Castle Rahan. Yeah, and, and they seem to like him up there as well. seem to like him up there, and, and the Monaghan Ladies senior team as well. i seen him at the weekend. It was funny. Where are the interviews taking place, Damien? I don't know. but if, I, if, there's, if there was anyone out there that, that is it the <laughs> technology bugging or anything like that, we could, <laughs> we could plant a mic in a room somewhere. We definitely could, yeah. I'd imagine they're top secret locations. You're yeah. a good man there, or in a, a sound desk or whatever. You, I definitely am, and, and I've been known to be sco- scoping around or hiding, lurking around uh, Breffney Park there, Kingspan Breffney, so you never know. <laughs> we might have more inside information nice. by the end of the week. No, go. but the, uh, the, 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 the Mickey Graham... Ticket is 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 very very interesting. We've we've both been kind of hearing indicators that it seemed their their preferred candidate is an inside man, a Cavan man. So Mickey Graham ticks that box, bringing Dermot McCabe with him. You have the ninety seven experience there. It's it's something that if Peter Riley isn't going, if Jason isn't going, I suppose look at Michal McDermott is a Cavan man too. But you'd imagine if it's a Cavan man. And it's down to the two that Mickey's probably your front runner. I'd, I'd say so, but um, it depends what team Mike, no, if, if, Michal if, brings. If you sat down and said, "What's your biggest achievement?" Uh, Mickey would probably say winning two senior championships, and mm-hmm. Michael McDermott would probably say winning two senior championships because he won one in Clare and he won one in Cavan and he won a Munster club title as well, uh, so which yeah, is not easily done with a Clare team. You'd imagine the Munster club title would trump. Yeah, so like they, they both have good CVs, but. Um, uh, Mickey, I suppose, sought after by Longford. Uh, I think mm. that's an open secret as well, and very well regarded by the Mullinocta fellas, and has, has a very well regarded in Longford in general, um, and well regarded in, in the likes of Trumley, Butler's Bridge, Ballyhays, cl- um, probably his own club, Gavin Gales, I'm sure as well. Mm. So, like, I know talking to fellas who played under him, even with Cavan Miners, but they didn't get any success. Uh, but they all thought he was a, was a great coach and a great manager, and I think that that. Um, McDermott will have his uh, his uh, supporters as well, without a doubt. And I think, in fairness, Aidan O'Rourke, uh, I know you you spoke to Dan Bannon from the We Are Loud mm. podcast, and, and uh, he spoke very highly of him. I spoke to another journalist who uh, who knows him well, and at the very start of the whole process, and he said to me, that guy's just waiting for the right team. He, re- yeah. he reckoned he read him really highly. Well, the, the other person that I spoke to was another club mate of his, that said to me from day dot, he was the first person who actually muted the idea with me. And he said, you know, if he decides he wants to do something and goes after it, he is the most determined man I know. And from what we've been hearing of maybe uh, different different stories or what I've been hearing anyway, he's determined to get the Calvin job. He's yeah. not just hoping to get it. He's, he's definitely putting his best foot forward. Yeah, look, I, like... There's no doubt whatsoever. You look at the teams that are in the All Ireland semi final there at the weekend. You look at Galway for a start. Um, we have what Galway have. I I, I have no doubt because two years ago we beat them with more or less the same teams. Mm. They haven't they haven't brought through any superstar. But they had Shane Walsh and Damian Comer and all those fellas playing that time. Um, you take Monaghan. So there's been nothing between Cavan and Monaghan. We drew at them in the league last year. They beat us by a goal in the championship. They beat us by a point in the championship twice in the last few years. There's nothing between Cavan and Monaghan. And then you take Tyrone. Six of that Tyrone team last Sunday, six Damien played against Cavan in the Ulster 21 final in 2011. That's that's um, Niall Morgan, uh, Niall Sludden, uh, Richie Donnelly, Matty Donnelly, um, Peter Hart, and Rona McNamee. So mm-hmm. you know, like we be, we won that game. And looking through that last night, that got me looking back at the the other team in the semi finals was Dublin. 
and in twenty. So there's there's links here between all these teams in the last forty All Ireland and Cavan. In twenty fourteen, Dublin beat Cavan by a point. The game Cavan should have won All Ireland under twenty one semi final. When you look back at that Dublin under twenty one team, I would say that was in terms of the dividend they got at senior level. That had to be the best ever under twenty one team. Fenton, Fenton, Niall Scully, Kieran Kilkenny, Jack McCaffrey, Eric Lyons, um, John Small, uh, Davy Bourne. Cormac Costlow. <laughs> Excuse that. <laughs> I, know, I didn't realise there was that many. Unbelievable. Cormac Costlow was there. Um, it was an absolutely incredible team. Okay, Kenny Farnoff was injured that day. But That's right, cruciate. Yeah, incredible. Um, one one team. year. Beat us by one point. Yeah. So like... And, and not, not just beat in fairness, robbed us. Robbed us. Kevin were five up. Like yeah. So what Kevin need to do is get the best players on the field. Like, it's no secret. Get the best mm. players on the field. D- David Givney's going to be 30 next year. Um, if, if David Kivney is David. <laughs> ahead of it, <laughs> if David is going to play with Cavan, like next year, it's next year or never really. It'd be hard to see him come back at thirty-one and yeah. thirty-two, and yeah. the same with an awful lot of that's, that's just one. But there's an awful lot of players there, so we need the right man to come in and rejuvenate the thing. In '97, we hadn't won a match in seven years in the championship. Or sorry, '95 when McHugh came in, uh, he was an All Ireland winner, and he he brought in, he got the best players playing, and. He, he a whole wave of optimism, and within three years, look where we were. Within two calendar years, mm-hmm. we're much better off now than we were back then. Okay, the, the the landscape has changed. It mightn't be as easy to come from nowhere, but we're not nowhere. Like we're a Division One team, and with an awful lot more to give. So, um, I think it's a it's a good job to take. I've heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's tough being going into Division One." Which where else would you rather be? Like, yeah, the the, the you have the to be in Division One if you want to compete in the Championship too. Yeah. Definitely. Well, look at semi-finalists, all Division One, all bar they're, one. They're actually the top four as well. The top four in Division One is right, and all bar one of the quarter finalists were Division One, and that one is Division One next year. Yeah. So it's it, look, you have to be in there to to be in with a chance. But the, I think the positive on it, from my point of view, is that knowing Mickey Graham, he was over Drumley a long time ago, albeit. Whatever it takes to win, Mickey Graham is going to do it. It it doesn't matter if it means going over to London and, and grabbing David Givney's hand. I'd imagine he's the type of manager that's going to do all those sort of things. And, and Michal McDermott, I think, is the same. I think Aidan O'Rourke is going to be the same. I, I have a funny feeling that we'll see it different. I, I think that the, nar- the narrative of the conversation around Cavan football has and and will be based on getting everybody available, and yeah. I think that that's got to be. That's well, got ba- Banty gave an interview to the Irish News last week, and just I, I took a screenshot of it because I was thinking how applicable it was to Cavan. One of the things he said was the job of the manager is to get all the best players on the panel and get them playing well, mm. and that's it. That's just it. Like, but uh, another thing I want to say there before, before just moving on from that, something that has jumped out for me, um, and this is a drum that that me and you have both been beating for a few years about. About games, championship games in Breffney Park. I, yep. wrote, I wrote a piece about it for tomorrow's paper, but um, we're finally through, through, not through choice, but because there's no choice, we're we're seeing games outside of Breffney Park. This is the best championship I can remember. Uh, like I'm twelve years working as a journalist in Cavan, and I never remember as good a championship uh, in the opening weeks. Three rounds played. Like we're having, we're seeing epic games. We're seeing attacking football, high scores, high scores, hard hits. You can't. You can't put, uh, there's no stat for excitement levels, right? But I was looking back through and I said, how can we quantify this? So I said, let's look at the goals scored. Are goals scored an indicator that teams are more gung-ho, that they're more exciting, that they're more um, 
going for it. Mm. You know, they're willing to take risks. There's been 127 goals scored in 34 matches. So far this so year. So far this year, right? That's 3.73 goals per game. That's 34 matches. Last year in the first 60, there was only 155 goals. Wow. So that's, a, that's 2.5 goals per, per game. So there's an extra goal per game here in these games that aren't in Breffney. Obviously, a, a good few of them wouldn't have been in Breffney last year as well. But why were games not played in Breffney before? I, I've gone right back to, to when Balignan and Mullahorn played a, a relegation playoff way back. I talked about it before in the podcast. I remember querying it with the county board. And I've been told several times, and it, it makes sense that the gate receipts are higher in, in Breffney because... It's centrally located, that's a big thing. So you might get some fella or, or woman from Milltown or Ballyconnell or Baltorbert or whatever, and they go into Breffney as a neutral to watch a double header. It's comfortable, you get yeah. a cup of coffee, you have a nice seat, and it's close to them. But they mightn't go the extra mile, the extra few miles out to Crubany or Lavi or Stradone for games. And I can understand that. Maybe, maybe you're standing up, it's not the same comfort levels. I understand that. But nothing sells the game like the game itself. And looking at the crowds... I, I was talking to my in-laws in Mullahorn la, last Sunday evening. They said they never saw a crowd like it on a match in Mullahorn. There was a there was a field, a farmer's field across from the pitch, open up for parking, and they said they've never before mm, seen, seen that seen happen. cars being parked in there. Yeah. So the game is is selling itself at the minute. Places are packed. You know, you, you look at we, I have a photograph in the paper tomorrow taken by Adrian Donahue of Paul Letty taking a, a sideline ball for uh, Lacken the other evening. There's a couple of hundred people behind him, right in the top of him. Not, and it's not alone. So I, I think the gate receipts are going to hold up, and I think gate receipts last year were about three hundred and thirty grand in Cavan. So it's a huge part of their income. I think gate receipts are going to hold up at the end of it, and I think it, it also not alone does it does it is it a better hours entertainment for the fan. Like if we go along, and you know the matches are better to watch. But look at the the benefits it has for developing players. Mm-hmm. You know you're playing in front of a hostile crowd, or a crowd are the crowd are really invested into it. And and that energy feeds into the players, and what the players then produce feed back to the crowd. Because yeah, you're playing yeah, you, yeah. instead of playing in playing um, in front of a big empty stadium, you're playing in front of basically capacity crowds yeah. in Mullahorn or in Trumalee or wherever it is. Like it's it's a great championship, I think. It's 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 like the round one of the Super Eight this year, where we've seen Crow Park as a horrible venue. You know what? Where it's absolutely no atmosphere with twenty thousand people in it, and we've we've. Witnessed that time after time after time, you know, in Kingsman Breffney. And while it is comfortable, it's nice. It's it, you know, you're you're never going to get wet in in Kingsman Breffney in a club championship game. But you're right; the atmosphere so far has been absolutely electric in these little these these club venues. And possibly, and we're, not, we're not just saying this to have a pop, but anyway, because no. it makes our job easier when the games are in Breffney. Without a doubt, you've got power and you've got hmm. uh, the PA you've got and everything else, and you've a seat. And <laughs> you've a that. seat. Yeah. But, but you're right. But the 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 probably where the county board could look at this, like you go to Monaghan and <gasps> you've got Clonus, you've got Castle Blaney, you've got uh, Inishkeen, you've got a lot of club grounds that have. Good seated areas with covered stands and, and facilities. Scottstown, another one. Like so, maybe clubs and county board through a good coordinated approach could go to. Like somebody said to me that they were at the double header in Coothill the previous week, and it was a brilliant venue. They, they'd forgotten that Coothill has a stand that's covered. It wouldn't take a huge amount to upgrade that into a a really good secondary county ground again. You know, like that. I remember being as a kid going to a county final in Coothill, and yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah. It was absolutely Mullahorn brilliant. Mullahorn, Mullahorn, Mullahorn Gowna, yeah, yeah. absolutely brilliant occasion. Ninety, 
Maybe four or five. Four or five, yeah, yeah, something around that. But, but I think it was the Kingspan connection that kind of brought the games towards Kingscourt and could Hill got a wee bit neglected. Like could Hill is with the terrace, the terrace mm. the, all around and everything. Like it's it's a great old venue. Like yeah, um, the, the could Hill Club itself wasn't going great for a few years. Like they're going well again now. Yeah, but yeah. For, and that coincided probably, and it 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 kind of lost its luster a wee bit. But could Hill is a great old venue. Like. Yeah, I I, I definitely I think as an experiment, even though it's a, maybe a forced experiment. Either way, it's something that. Cavan should take note on and and just keep watching the rest of this championship because as I urged people after round one of the junior the, the College Craft Bakery junior get out and look at this after two rounds now of, of the intermediate and one of the senior it's, it's only getting better and better and what's happening now is from next week on now you're in the last two rounds of the junior you'll be the following week last two rounds of the intermediate coming in it's only going to get more of an atmosphere and more intense so I'd say we're going to see numbers go through the roof. Oh, stop. Hopefully. Like, I, I, I've, out of the 34 games, I'd say I've been to about 11 of them. And I haven't been to a bad game yet. Like, there's, out of 34 games, there's only one game without a goal out of the whole lot. And that was, that was in Mullahorn last Sunday, Cornerfane and Ballyhays. And, you know, the football was great there. Ballyhays got fellas sent off, two lads sent off, sent off mm. and injuries and everything else. Um, and Cornerfane are kind of a, are kind of a physical team as well. But, uh, I mean, it was still very exciting. Like twelve points each, and hard hitting, and uh, and all the rest of it. Now, talking of hard hitting, we can't let it. We can't let it pass without talking a wee bit about the referee. Well, we'll 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 take that opportunity now to um, to just take a very quick commercial break, and when we come back, we will uh, look back over the Hotel Kilmore Senior Championship results. Kieran Callahan Electrical Limited has been providing a quality service to the industrial, commercial and domestic sectors nationwide since 1996. Reduce your business's energy bill with our energy audit. Or if you need any electrical works carried out, why not contact Kieran Callahan Electrical on 049 433 Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. So, Paul, round one. Um, we'll start on Friday night because this is the shock. The shock at around, really. Killigarry 311, Cavan Gills 116. You were covering it. Um, what, what stood out for me on this one, and, and this is obviously just from watching or hearing the feedback on it, Killigarry, brilliant first half, took control, led, were well out in front. Cavan Gills pulled it right back, got into the lead, and then Killigarry came back and won it. Like That's, that's the most impressive part. Killigarry came back and won it. Yeah, that's actually the way I wrote my match report. I said Killigarry won it, lost and I won it again. And that was kind of what they did, you know. I, I think um, the first half, the Gales were flat. I actually texted a few people as soon as I got to, got to the game and I heard the team's been announced and I saw Johnston wasn't playing, Barry Fortune wasn't playing, Luke Malloy wasn't playing. 
I texted a few lads and I said, that 7-2 about Kiligary is nuts. And I know a few people backed it. Because I, like, in my match report last week, I said that if, if uh, Connor Smith and Martin Riley catch light up front, then a win is possible for Kiligary here. And they did, nobody could have predicted, like, to the extent to which they caught light. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm over-egging the pudding here, but Connor Smith, especially in the first half, it was an absolutely extraordinary individual performance. You know, he, he was just as Alex Ferguson used to say about Paul Scholes. He was he was running around dropping hand grenades everywhere he went. He was causing absolute <laughs> chaos, pandemonium, and he was he saw off, I, I can't think who started on him. I think it might have been one of the Murrays, but then it was then he went Luke Fortune went on to him and really really struggled with him, and then Kevin Meehan went on to him quite nearly a wee bit, but he still came up with a good point in the second half, and then uh, putting the ball that led to the goal, Martin Riley. Absolutely brilliant. He scored a point that was something like that Claire Horder Peter Duggan scored where he he travelled for twenty yards, the fellas hanging out of him and pulled it over from long range. Class. Uh, Ross Sheridan was very good. It was an irresistible performance by, by Kiligary. Second half, the Gales brought Johnston on and he ran the game. He just he dropped deep, Kiligary didn't seem to put anyone on him. They probably said we're gonna leave an extra man back here. Kiligary okay, you're playing against the wind and you're defending the lead, you're gonna uh, maybe it makes sense to slow things down, but this and Paddy Galligan had a very good game of goals, but he slowed things way, 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 way down on the kick out, and I don't think it suited them. I don't think it suited that, the way they had been playing in the first half, and they were taking the fellas going down injured, but all the momentum was at the gale. Slowing it down didn't seem to break the momentum; it just nearly made things worse, and uh, they were pinned back for long periods. And the gales were—it was just a matter of how much were the gales going to win by. They were level uh, within fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, with the wind, with Johnson kicking scores, um, I said. No, the Gales are going to win this by seven or eight points. Was there uh, one of the criticisms that, that I heard from uh, the Gales or about the Gales was that once they got the noses in front by a single point, they changed tack. It was more about keep ball than get scores. Would that be P- fair to possibly, say? What you think? Possibly, but they, they still created a couple of chances and kicked a couple of wides after they got in front. And they even came up and, and created a chance and got another score after the goal went in. And the goal went in well into injury time. So... I, you know, I think that's maybe scoreboard journalism a wee bit. Like I, I thought, in fairness, like Johnston was probably the one who was who was getting tired of that brush. But in fairness, when he came on, there were nine points down within fifteen minutes or fifteen twenty minutes or a point up. Um, I thought he, I thought he totally spooked Kiligary. Um, but and and like you know, that was an old failing. Kiligary don't always just convince that that they're gonna they're gonna see out these games. And that's an old feeling. Like they say, like there's no point beating around the bush. They say the Kiligary have a soft underbelly. And it looked like the Gales believed that and the Gales are bullying them a wee bit. But they came up with the with the big goal mm-hmm. at the end. Now another thing Damien that's noticeable and you really notice it when you take it out of Breffney, a big asset that the Gales have is their bench. And I don't mean the players they bring off the bench. I mean it's the the influence their bench has on the players that are on the field. And I've noticed this for, for a long number of years. They go absolutely nuts when Gilligary get or when Kevin Gales get a score. And they had thirty one or two fellas togged out and their manager and selectors and backroom team and everything else. The whole core group and they're all feeding off each other. And it's almost like a jeer rather than a cheer when the ball goes over. It's it's triumphalist and it's it's like there's another one. Just, you know, suck mm. that up, kind of thing. They were going, they were making more noise than the stand, <laughs> and like it was so noticeable because it'd been so silent in the first half. But when they got up, it's like the, the cop at Anfield where they said they can suck the ball over the bar. You just felt that the gales are pouring forward. Every, the whole bench is behind them. This is a whole army here. So Kilgarry had to overcome that as well. So it'll, it'll stand them. But you'd wonder will they beat the gales again? 
I don't know because um, I, I think Johnston is so important. Like even uh, Martin Dunn, Paul O'Connor, Declan Meehan. In the, I don't. I think in the first half, I'm not sure if they scored. In the second half, they must have scored one six or one seven between wow. them. Yeah. So Johnson made them tick. Yeah. Second game, Castle Rahan against Cuthill. Cuthill led during this one, but Castle Rahan just dug it out. Five points up. Um, I think there were four or five points up at half time, Cuthill. Uh, but Castle Rahan finished finished very strongly, full of running. They got David Ritten off the bench. Now McSweeney is still injured, but they seem to be getting their key men into good form now as well. So. Uh, I think Colin Smith was the main man, man for Cuthill. He scored six points, three from play. But uh, routine enough win in the end up for Casaran. They didn't panic when they were behind and got the job done. So just, just I'm keeping scores here at the minute. You tipped the Gales. Tipped the Gales. You tipped Casaran. Yeah. So you're one one from two. Third game, Gauna against Balignat. Who did you tip? Gauna against Balignat. I tipped the draw. <laughs> tipped the draw. So you're one out of three. Oshin Pearson was the man there. Um Scored two four from play, I think, against in that game. Michael Hannon covered the game for us, and he was very impressed with him. He said Shane Finnegan stood up well, uh, wing half forward for for uh, Balignat. But footballer. A, a good footballer, yeah, full of, full of uh, skill. But uh, a noticeable thing again, and I've been saying it for years, Damien. Balignat don't score enough goals. I've been ha- I've been hammering this, this since they won the championship. Yeah, I've been hammering yeah. this for years, and again didn't score a goal. I look back through five matches in the league where they didn't get a goal. As well, out of their eleven league matches, so that that was the problem there. Balignac just can't hit; seem to hit the net enough. Only two teams in the senior championship this weekend didn't score goals. Balignac was one of them. Um, but yeah, Gauna, a good good win for Gauna. Moving on to Sunday, then Crushlaw against Shercock. You tipped Crushlaw on this one, and they they held up for you three eighteen to one ten. Yeah, solid win for Crushlaw. Ran away with it really. Stephen Smith uh, seemingly great performance. Three points from play from wing half forward. Good performances all over the field, and you know they're full of running, uh, mm. and they're very fit. I talked to a few of the Lacken fellas who who was at the league game, and they they were blown away. They were said there was runners coming from everywhere for for Crushlad that evening. So uh, they've got McFeehy back now as well. So uh, Crushlad fancy fancy themselves now for a run. Mm, will indeed. Um, the second team that didn't score a goal was Lavi, four, fourteen points to Kingscourt, three goals and eight. It. Oh, to call it an upset would be would be definitely wrong, but um, the Kings, Kingscourt take the goals out of it. Apparently, they weren't they weren't convincing. Yeah, well, they got the goals early, um, so they were they were three eight, they were three eight to eight up at one stage. All the goals came in the first half. Lavi came back at them. Then Shane Tierney scored six points, I think, from play for Lavi, mm. and he had been an injury doubt going into it, but. Um, Joe Dillon was back for Kingsford as well. He'd been in Chicago and he came home early for, for that game. So I look at Kingsford aren't the force to wear, but when you have Kingsford beating the championship, you have, you have a good day's work done. Do you remember we did the up for the match in Ballyduff mm. and Park Riley from Ballyduff happened to be having a pint and we dragged him up on stage and he was he was surrounded by Castorham fans, but he made the point that Kingsford are a very, very hard team to play against. Especially in championship. Yeah. That's the thing. And, and that's what they aim for all year long. They'll not be worried about the performance in that game against Lavi. And you know what? I think they were still fifth in the league. Looking at the table. like, But the big the alarm bells were ringing when they got hammered by Balnia and absolutely absolutely wiped off the field by the Gales. Like That was kind of something yeah. you don't expect. But if you look at they've toasted it back there now at six and they've got Faulkner. Terry Riley had a brilliant game. Like when they won the championship last, they had Kieran Gorman midfield. He's gone out of it now, but you know Terry Riley's a good foil there for Faulkner. So I, mm. they've got lacking now. I think that that the midfield battle is going to be everything in that game. Yeah, it is indeed. Last game was in Sunday evening in Mullahorn, uh, Rammer against Lacken. 
Um, this one for me was always going to be the, the, the tie it around and it turned out to be exceptionally close, too, too close to, to separate the teams. How long have we left on this podcast? <laughs> I, I think... Take I, it easy. First of all, right, where do you start with this game? Uh, the first seven minutes, um, Rammer were winning 1-4 to, to no score. The goal was a penalty, which was no penalty in my opinion. Um, I think Simon Cadden was as surprised as anyone that the penalty was awarded. He was the man who was supposed to be fouled. Killy Maguire stepped up and he hit one of the best penalties I've seen in years. Absolutely a rocket in off the very top corner of the net. Of the net. And uh, next thing you know, next attack in, this was a penalty. Conor Bradley tried to fist the ball over the bar. His arm was pulled, pulled back. He went down. This was a penalty. Maguire steps up. He went for the exact same spot, six inches higher off the crossbar. Next thing you know, within that was the tenth minute. Jack Brady got a point. That made it one four to no score. That was in the tenth minute. By the by the eighteenth minute it was a draw. Um and Lacken were 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 pinning Rammer back. So what what made this game so interesting was Lacken scored three nine. Two nine of that was scored by Niall McCarron and Raymond Galligan and Thomas Galligan. The other goal was set up by by the other three and it was finished by Shane Finnegan. So Lacken were completely dependent on, on these fellas going forward, these three lads. At the back, I would say probably all six of the of the Lacken backs were were um slower than their, their direct opponent. Like Rammer had had the legs on them at, at up top all the way. And Rammer had so much um more of a of a variety in how they could score. Like all six that are starting forward forward score from play and like Ben Smith was able to come off the shoulder, get a point. Cadden was able to, Cadden can kick great points from the wings Bradley was able to run through the centre they could also give it long into Cole they, they had different ways of getting scores had different free takers everything Lacken really had had about three different ways that they could get a score McKernan or Galligan would either run through the or, or Thomas Galligan would either, could either run through the centre hard and, and, and pull it over the bar they could, either of them could kick a point from, from 50 yards or Ray Galligan would kick a free or he, in fairness, Ray kicked up from play as well. But that was really it. And th- nobody else seemed to chip in. I'm not sure if anyone else even really had a shot. So it was very intriguing. You had this Rammer team that was full of running and jinky players and, and skillful skill everywhere and pace, whereas Lacken were more traditional. Three big men uh, moving at speed and, and kicking, gr- kicking good scores. So it was, it was a, gr- a good game. Now the refereeing left a lot to be desired. It, the game was ref practically non-contact. It was ref to the absolute strictest sense of the rule book. If you if you touch the player, it was a foul. And uh, you yeah. know if you if you're going to ref a game like that to the rule book, you're going to be blown non-stop because, for example, how often in a game does a player take more than four steps? You know if you're going to ref to the absolute letter of the rule book. But is there in the problem that we we were? maybe made aware of a situation in the last few weeks that we were both at a game, taught the referee and was brilliant at it, made for a very entertaining game and the assessment was critical of the referee. So is the problem now with the referees more with the book, the rule book? Do we need to look at this? Because we see the rule book and and, and the frustrating thing for me would be the rule book in, in Horland. I'm not sure what the definition of the tackle is in Horland. But I think that it's still shoulder to shoulder is the only legal contact. And other than that, you must play the slitter. There's far more than that going on in Horland, but yet yeah. it's not being adhered to in, in such a strict manner. Yet in Gaelic football, it is being adhered to. It's the inconsistency of it. 
Well, I, I agree, but the thing with refereeing is it's not an exact science. And you cannot ref it like it's an exact science. Like there's an art to refereeing. You can't just referee off. Off, uh, it's like writing a song. Like you can't just write a song based on 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 uh, something you read in a book. You know, there's an art to it. You have to to interpret what you see in front of you. Like you can't just say I, I, right, I, that I, happened. So what the rule tells me, this is what I do. You know, yeah, it, I think you can, and I think you, you you have to. And I think the only way that we can get rid of the inconsistency is that we make it very clear in the rule book that. Yeah, there's contact allowed. There's there, in in the rule book as it stands, the only contact is shoulder to shoulder. Other than that, I can't touch you. Well, I th- I think that there's a problem with with the referees anyway. Um, you know, I think that that uh, we need to attract more ex players into refereeing, which was the, was the tradition at one time. We need to attract anybody into refereeing. The numbers aren't there for refereeing at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a tough job refereeing, and I I think that, that Maggie Farley, I I, I saw a ref and. Um, Montreal Connacht and Mar Nugent a couple of weeks ago, and she gave out fifty five frees. Now, people that might mean anything to people listening, but you know, if you're counting the frees in matches, for example, Kevin and Monon played an Ulster Championship match a couple of years ago, and uh, there was fifty frees in the in the whole thing, and that was quite a lot of frees. You know, so that's in seventy minutes, and that's a lot of frees. We're seeing we're seeing sixty minute club games of fifty five frees here, plus a couple of penalties at times, things like that, a lot of cards. It's too much. It's way above average. Mm. But I, I saw a reference and she was very consistent. So you can't argue when it, when it's consistent. You say, okay, she's, that's the style that's that she referees. definition of the tackle. Yeah, and she's consistent. But I didn't think she was consistent the last night. Like, Lacken should have had a penalty. Michal Shanahi was, was clearly clearly fouled and that penalty wasn't given. Look, we all make mistakes. But um, I suppose Maggie Farley will, will have been glad of the intervention of Ollie O'Reilly because uh, he was, the big talk about him in terms of the officials was that in the very last minute of the game, uh, it was 34 minutes and 18 seconds on my stopwatch Conor Bradley uh, put a ball over the bar for the winning point uh, from a free from a free from a few yards in from the sideline now I was in the, the opposite sideline or sorry the same the same side of the field in, in the in the other corner so I didn't have a great view of it so I couldn't say if he if he took it from the right place or not I heard he didn't to be honest but uh, the ball was going over the bar <laughs> and next thing you know on, on comes the barrel alley and uh Pointed to the pointed, waved his flag. Maggie came over. Turns out the, the free was taken from the wrong spot. It was wiped out, and the ball was thrown, thrown up, up. And cue yeah. pandemonium and supporters well, the, confronted him and everything else. The funny thing is, I was at the game earlier on. We'll move on to it in the championship that he refereed the intermediate, and I think he pulled up four times in the game for the free's been taken for the wrong spot. So we all know referees, like you said, they're you know. They have their own style. They, they, it's not an exact science. And and Ollie's one of his little things are that he wants the free taken from the right spot. It was a brave intervention at that stage in a championship. He never lacked balls, Ollie. No, you know no. it doesn't matter what the situation is. If I couldn't he say if it was the, the right call. He'll I make couldn't it. say if it was the right call or not. So I'm not saying he made a bad call at all. But um, it was a brave call. Some people thought it was a bad call. It, and it, a lack of people probably thought it was a good call. So. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. We'll move on to the Hotel Kilmer Intermediate Championship and we'll, we'll go through these nice and quickly because uh, we're running out of time here. But at the weekend, we'll start on Friday night and we'll run through this quickly. Mullahorn, one uh, twelve, Baileyborough, 3-7. Disappointing result for Mullahorn, but Baileyborough came out fighting. On social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't, at, I wasn't at that one, Damien. Um, but yeah. I know that Baileyborough were throwing shade at the Celt on... Uh, before and after the game, the Baileyborough account, you know, it's like it's like um, 
Con Hulens line, a man who, who who misuses an apostrophe is capable of anything. A man who, who mistakes the, <laughs> the Gaelic life for the Anglo-Celt is capable of anything. But for anyone who's not familiar with this little bit of a Twitter spat, basically what happened was the Bailiwar of Facebook and Twitter was saying, like, let's show the Celt type thing. And then they won the game, fair play to them. And they put up a tweet like, what do you think of that, the Celt, or something along those lines. And um, I'm going to reply to this. So I came back and said, what are you talking about, basically? And... Uh, we we, didn't, didn't, we preview didn't preview the game, game. and the Bailiwar Twitter came back with a picture. It said, "I said to him, okay, hold on, mate. maybe we need to I need to question myself here." He doubled down <laughs> on it. He came back with a picture and goes, "Well, what's this then?" And I said, "That's the Gaelic life." <laughs> so, but anyway, um, and what 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 has transpired since? Um, because then I got involved on it on 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 Twitter, basically saying that I was disappointed with the Bailiwar players' behaviour towards me after the game. So. What has transpired since that is that the Bailiwara manager in the pre-game told the Bailiwara players that Damien Donoghue was writing this about you boys in the Celt that he or wouldn't even give you the respect of writing your use in the preview of it. Um, and essentially that's where the whole fuel for the Bailiwara, I suppose, annoyance with me came. Now, what annoyed me obviously is firstly I wrote nothing in the Celt obviously because there was nothing written in the Celt about it I think it's uh, I think it's a disappointing situation and I don't think the Bailiwara PRO handled himself very well throughout the whole situation either yeah look at um, that's my rant by the way yeah I'm, I'm not as invested in it as you are because I get golf every day of the week certainly every week uh, from people uh, because People all have their own agenda because they're all part of clubs and blah blah. And sometimes they don't, they don't like something that I neutral my right or say or whatever. But uh, so I don't want to say too much about Bailiwara because there's no one here from Bailiwara. So I don't think I don't want to yeah. want us all to castigate Bailiwara. But like, like it's water under the bridge. It's football. It'll be forgotten about next week. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. But I did want to uh, to just kind of clear it up a wee bit because there's a lot of people who may not have. Uh, known the full story in it so you know and if anybody from Bailiwara would like to come on to the podcast I'd be more than happy to have them on it just to to explain their side of the story or uh, you know if, if if the PRO wants to come in and, and and give an explanation as to what exactly went on or if we're telling an inaccuracy we're more than happy to have anybody on but it was just uh, just to clear it up and, and to kind of see that there are there, there there's more to the story than you see on social media all the time yeah, no. well, look, you can't believe what you see on social media, but no. look, it's, it's, it's a bit of crack. We won't fall out either. Exactly. It's only football. Drumgoon, um, Ballamacue, Saturday night in, in Crewbany. Ballamacue came away with the victory here. Close enough, but horrible conditions. 3-12, sorry, 3-10 to 2-11. Good scoring. For, for the conditions that were in it, I, I was very impressed with this with the amount of scores in it. Now, one of the goals, very, very soft, very slippy, but that was as a result of the of the conditions. But overall, some of the scores were excellent. Now I have to say it was it was entertaining. Oh, there you go. Yeah, look at uh, good win for Bally McHugh as well because um, they had me going great this year. Yeah, it leaves Drumgoon in a little bit of a difficult position. That's two losses from two, so they'll need to be picking up uh, two victories to try and avoid the, the relegation playoff. But Torbett had a had a win over Kilishandra three three yet again. Kilishandra scoring three three. I'm just looking down through here. The only game without a goal, as you said in the intermediate, was the was the Ballyhays Corner Fane game again. It's amazing. But the uh, Torbett. 
uh, conceding three three, but scoring two twelve, enough to win most ga- or sorry two ten, enough to win most games. Yeah, I, I think uh, I know Owen McGuigan got one of the goals, and the Henry played well again. So uh, they're, they're going pretty well. Like the, the they've bounced back well there now from losing to Ballyhays. Definitely, Lara Sunday morning took on Red Hills in Emmet Park in Butler's Bridge, um, coming away with a, a one goal victory here. A, a good entertaining game of football this was because there was it looked like Lara as they always do come out of the traps flying and just going to run away with this and then Torlock Mooney Packy Letty Cormac McBride started to kick into gear and the big strong men from Red Hills managed to have themselves in a really good position um, just before half time Lara got their second goal then but and pushed on after half time Red Hills coming back and only for Cormac Brides and Packy Letty went off injured. Now Cormac Brides came back on, but they were rotating the three boys around the full forward. So you'd have Torlock Mooney at starting there, caused problems. He'd go out the field, the fullback might follow him, a midfielder would come in, Brides would come in, or Letty would come in, and they were rotating them brilliantly to create constant confusion in the Lara defence. And it was working. It was it was a really good system, really good you know, organization. But when you take away two out of the three major scoring threats, it's going to be very difficult for Red Hills. Yeah, the panel wouldn't be that deep, but it's great to see Red Hills going so well as a Red Hills man. Like, I'm delighted to, to see them. Uh, I didn't expect them to, to be as strong, to, like, to beat Swad so well, and Swad turned out to, to have had a good enough result to let, after that as well. So, um, great stuff for Red Hills. Hopefully now they can go on and make the quarters. You were at Ballyhays Corner Fane, 12 points apiece. What was the story? Uh, no, it was, it was ill-tempered enough... Um, that's the second game I was at the Corner Finkel Hullins game and there was there was tempers afraid in that one as well, but um couple of sendings off. Ballyhays lost probably too many players. McCormick went off injured, Briardy went off injured and that hurt them. Uh they were already missing David Brady who was in Holidays and uh they were missing Park Moore who's who's over on a J one I think for the summer. So um that was a lot that was a lot to deal with. Uh, and Aaron Watson was Aaron got sent, sent off. off uh, it was funny because he he, he he must have an eyesight problem or something. He's wearing he wears these sort of goggles when he's playing. He play, he was playing well. I took an, I was looking through the notes earlier on and I had I had a a note in my notebook and it just said about ten minutes in it just said keep an eye on on uh, Watson and Wharton. And <laughs> sure enough, um, I think Wharton now he was kind of looking for it. Uh, I think it was Jack Wharton. He was on the forty, and uh, he was sort of golden Watson a wee bit. But Watson swung and, and punched him in the stomach right in front of me and a few others, and. Uh, off he trotted anyway and um, the linesman uh, called over the referee and he was looking for <laughs> he was looking for Aaron and he had taken off his goggles and he was holding them in his hands so he was trying to get away with it but it was funny but he got a straight red and it, you know it was a, it was a if bad time he was time. really cute he'd have He'd have handed the goggles to somebody else and go, have a look at them, see if they're working all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he, he, he handles an awful lot of ball for a defender and uh, he, he he's very comfortable on the ball for a defender. Like, um, oh, look, it was a hard-hitting game. It was a championship game. It was definitely nothing easy in it. Hmm. Uh, Barry Doyle now, in fairness to him, showed a bit of class at, at key times and Ballyheads are just going to need a wee bit more. Even Kevin Tierney kicked a couple of great scores, but probably just need a wee bit more out of those key fellas if they're up it. But they're still unbeaten, like so they won't be too perturbed. Cuhullins had a convincing win over Butler's Bridge, five fourteen to one twelve. I said it before, Damien, on the podcast. Cuhullins are the most hot and cold team in the county. I said it. I said they could actually get relegated or, or emphatically win this championship because they're so inconsistent, even within games, let alone from week to week. 
and they did it again. They were they were five points down. I think they were one eight either eight three or one eight to one three down, and being wiped wiped off the field. They've been dismantled at the back, and uh, next thing you know, they went in four or five down, four down at half time. I think came out and scored scored four or five goals in the second half. One it put one it going away by fourteen fifteen points. Adam Riley with a hat trick. Uh, Doughty was class again. McGee seemingly excellent. Keating kicked a few good scores. Um, you know, so uh, like you don't know what you're going to get with Collins, but but they're, they're very good to watch when they're when they're going well. And Lionel sure. Lynch knows how to win championships too. Good manager. Definitely. Last game, um, Swan and Barry already alluded to three eleven to three fourteen of Arva. That was closer than than people would have expected. Once that, once that, this will blow you away. Swallenbar, how many goals have they conceded this this year in league and championship? Uh, you've already told me this, so I'll let you reveal. 33. That's all you need to know there. 33 goals. At some point, they have to say, we need to stop conceding goals. And there was only one game this year, I think, where they kept a clean sheet. They held the bridge to seven points. And otherwise, they've conceded 33 goals in could be 14, 15 games. So that, that's where Swad's problems lie. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's something that if they tighten up, if you're scoring three eleven going forward, and you can just tighten up your defence, you'll you'll be very very hard to beat. But if you're leaking goals, you're you're going to struggle. Yeah, that's two losses from two from Swad. The same for Kilishandra and Drumgoon. So, the three of them teams when the when the championship resumes will be keen to get back um, get back on the on or get winning get the winning ways going. Um, we're, we're, we've run out of time, so we'll not bother with, with previews of this weekend. We will just. Uh, I'll just give you one word if you want. One word previews. Yeah. On on on. Okay, we'll go for them real real fast. Um, on the we start off with the seniors and Friday night sees Casarahan Cavan Gales. Casarahan. Shercock Gauna. Gauna. Lavi Balanya. Draw. Ramor and Gilligarry. Ramor. Cudhill Crushala. Crushala. And Kingscourt Lacken. Kingscourt. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, I think that's so. A big one. I think so. I think the, I think Terry Riley and Faulkner will be able to hold those midfielders, and King Scott will will have more of a spread of scores. Barry Riley, Shane Duffy, uh, Young Court is still all chip in, whereas Lacken are depending on their their three or four. Right, we'll 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 go through the junior ones then very very quickly. If you can give me your one word um, one word results on yes. these ones. Oh, sorry, that was the word. <laughs> yeah, go. Dendrum Lane. Oh. Trumlane, that's going to be tight. That's Friday night in Ballin, yeah, and and that's that's well, it's clashing with Castle Rank having. I know, yeah, and that's on my back door in Virginia, so I'll be going to the Gales, but I'd like to go to Den and Trumlane. Yeah, uh, you went Trumlane. I go Trumlane. You better go Den. I will go Den. I'll go Den on that one. Um, Saturday evening, Shannon Gales killing care. Killing care. Just. Just Shannon Gales are coming. They're coming, so they are yet again. Um, I think Killing Carroll will win it though. Kildallan, Knockbride. Knockbride, I've given up on Kildallan. <laughs> I've given up on them. They're, your, they're your Arsenal, so they are. <laughs> you just can't. You can't. Uh, you, you show them all the love and they just keep on hurting you. You, you, you know, they're, they're your childhood sweetheart. You just keep giving another yeah. chance to. And she goes and shifts another lad. <laughs> she continually. Like, there's no loyalty in it at all. No, not bright, not bright. Um, Kill and Templeport. Templeport. Templeport, I think so too. Yeah, Muncher, Connacht and Drung. Munchies. I think so, I'll agree with you. Mount Nugent and Corla. Mount Nugent. And Maher McFinns and Drummolee. <sighs> Drummolee. I think so. I think that's that's uh, that's my predictions with you. I'd agree with them. Um, 
We're going to just go now very quickly. Cavan ladies beaten by Monaghan last weekend um, in the relegation playoff. Now they have one more chance, but after the game I caught up with the Cavan captain, Sinead Green. Disappointing defeat to Monaghan here. It means now you have to fight for your lives next week against either Waterford or Tipperary. Yeah, um, it's going to be do or die now on Saturday. We're really disappointed after our performance there today. We just felt we put in two big performances against the last two teams, Mayo and Dublin, and we just didn't rise to the challenge today. For whatever reason, we know ourselves there in the huddle. It wasn't good enough, and if we want to stay senior, we have to be able to step it up next weekend. Yeah, I suppose it, looking at it, though, the personnel you're missing, it's been a very unfortunate run of injuries you've suffered. Yeah, like from the last day, like you're losing three defenders. We've lost Joanne, Shayla Sullivan, NASA, and then Brown Sheridan, the forwards there. Like, and their experience there in those four players is absolutely savage. And look at the younger as they come in to replace them, did their absolute utmost. But when you lose that experience, it's hard to replace. And then I suppose when you're starting for other girls, you're weakening our girls to come on and make an impact as well. But look, I suppose Saturday, it's all or nothing, and maybe that could stand to us. Maybe we will rise to the challenge today. We weren't good enough, and look, we need to be able to lift it up again. Yeah, I, I suppose the, the one level you're always looking for is consistency of performance, and it just hasn't hasn't hit there for some reason in the last few weeks. No, and like I can't pinpoint it. We actually haven't won a game since, and a competitive game since our league semi-final way back in May. So that's that's worrying. Like you know, we've lost three, four, five games nearly on the trot. So we need in our in our heads, like ourselves, to be able to turn that round, or we'll be playing intermediate football next year. Yeah, I suppose on the positive, the standard, or that maybe the teams that you had been playing since that league final have consistently been senior teams and and, and very strong teams so the possibility is now you're playing a team of Division 2 standard next week so maybe maybe the confidence can come from that yeah look at we know ourselves either Tip or Waterford whoever wins today or whoever loses today we'll be playing next Saturday and we're well familiar with both of them teams from the Division 2 league as you say but at the end of the day neither team is going to want to play intermediate next year so everyone's going to put everything on the line and look at on a day like that anything can happen so fingers crossed that's it it's a fight for your lives best of luck in it yeah, so that was Sinead Greeny after uh, a disappointing defeat. Hopefully the girls can pick it up against Tipperary this coming Saturday. Um, they they need to win that game to remain senior for 2019. So we wish the girls the, the best of luck. Moving on to handball, and we have a star in the making, hopefully or potentially anyway, a wonderful achievement for Niall McGee reaching the World One Wall final but unfortunately it didn't go his way. didn't go his way. Uh, he lost to Kyle Jordan from Kilkenny, who's sort of the up-and-coming superstar in handball. There always seems to be one at the age of 13 or 14, but Niall is now, like I've been t- telling you about him for a couple mm. of years now, he's a very, very talented uh, young lad, and he's now, I think, uh, gate-crashed the party. He's, one, he's probably got to be in the top three or four in, in, the, in the country in his age group. And you know what? We've got four uh, under 13 players in Cavan, and there's very little between the four of them. Um, you've Adam McKenna from Muller as well and you've two fellas from Virginia called Matthew Smith and Oliver McChrystal with another lad a year older than, than them from Kingscourt called Oshin Bourne and those five lads they all played off for the Fela team this year and uh, not, they couldn't be separated they were level on wins and aggregate and everything else so that'll tell you so Cavan Handball very much on the up again Niall got through to the World 13 on the final and Niall and Adam McKenna are in the doubles final as well uh, but I suppose the big, the big thing is Paul Brady yeah. uh, going for his yeah. sixth title so it's just, I suppose, from a humble point of view, I'll run you quickly, Damien, just through the draw. So he's up against a fella from Chihuahua, Mexico. Uh, I know it. Ricardo Fernandez Jr. I have, I know every player, and I've never heard of this guy. Have you not? No. Ricardo. So, Ricardo. 
Ricardo Fernandez. So don't know who he is, okay. but the fact is he's playing into Paul Brady in the in the round of sixty four, and I think he's he's Brady, Brady will will turn some unless he's just no Brady will turn some. Uh, when next, is that? That is tonight. So it's five o'clock Irish time, which will be midnight. Uh, midnight, I think, Sorry. in Minneapolis. Sorry, five, five o'clock, o'clock Minneapolis, Minneapolis time. Midnight which, Irish. Yeah, I think they're seven hours. Is it seven hours? Yeah. So that it, that game has been streamed live. I was just going to say that. Can people watch it? Yeah. yeah, people can watch it. So they can you can check out. Uh, I'll tweet the link later on if they want to check it out. Perfect. We'll share it on We Are Calvin. Uh, tomorrow then Wednesday, uh, Paul will play. If all this is presumably keeps winning. Uh, and I know he has a bit of an elbow elbow injury, but I'm hoping it's improving. Paul will play the winner of Dara Daly from Tyrone and uh, Eric Torres from California, from LA. Torres is a little bull of a lad. Uh, Dara Daly, very, very fit player, much improved, but Brady will win. Um, Torres is a bull. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Uh, next up then, that brings you into the quarterfinals, and this is where it gets interesting. Uh, in that half of the draw you've got this guy you've got Patrick Clerken from Cavan he's playing Lewis Cordova Jr who I actually played years ago in 2005 in Texas and Cordova was only about 16 at the time but he has improved a lot since that uh, I think Patrick will have his work cut out there uh, Emma Pichot who people will know plays a fella called Max Langmack from Kansas the tallest pro in handball history, six foot nine. Oh jeez! Yeah, and it's supposed to be good. I haven't you can seen just him. stand in the middle of the court and just swing <laughs> left hand, right hand. I'll tell you what, he's meant to be good, but I think Pichot will win that. So it's likely that that Pichot will come through against Brady. He's never beaten Brady, and they've been playing it on the tour together for fifteen odd years. Pichot is a he's he's a musician. He's got his own uh, albums out on iTunes and everything his else. His own Pichot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, uh, that's a quarter final. In in the semi, if if everything goes to plan and Paul makes the semi, um, and all these games can be, will be watched every day, so we're going to go one game a day for the next few days. So the quarters will be on Thursday, the semi will, will be on Friday, and he's likely to meet uh, either Martin Mulcairns or Armando Ortiz Jr. And that's two very attacking players. That's a dangerous game. Uh, Ortiz in particular is very dangerous and has beaten Brady uh, once before and almost beat him another time. Was lucky. Was Brady was lucky to beat him another time. You've also got Colin Crehan in that section as well, who's a strong player from Clare. Um, that all things going to plan, that would bring Paul through to the final. The final takes place next Saturday, and he's likely to come up against Nash, Killian Carroll, McCarthy, Sean Lennon. They're all in the top half. The top half's a bit of a killing field. So, look at wish him the best of luck. Get on the get on the live stream and share it as much as possible. Yeah, because if I'm right in saying, if he wins this. It would be fifteen years, world champion. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. So it'd be his. People, people Six. used to say it the last time after he won. Oh, because it's five worlds and it's every three years. People were saying it's fifteen years. The last time. No, but it was twelve. It actually, it's actually twelve. But now it would be fifteen, and it'd be six world championships. So it would be unbelievable. 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 So it, it's it's something that you don't want to miss the opportunity to have witnessed or to watch. So we'll definitely share the link on on We Are Calvin. We'll be we'll be following them. So do uh, do retweet those links and and look at. Hopefully, people will be watching because I think the build up to the worlds have never been as good in fairness to to handball to GA handball that they've they've put in a bit of an effort this time. Yeah, well we'll do another podcast at the end of the week if Paul gets through to the semi or final and I'll give some in-depth uh, 
breakdown of what 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 his opponents are going to do and make a few predictions. But fingers crossed, he gets there. Fingers crossed. Thanks very much for listening to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. Just want to bring to uh, our listeners' attention a few people have been asking about live games. Obviously, the fact that they're not in Kingspan Breffney, it's a little bit more difficult for us to do it, but we uh, we, we are willing and, and, and able to cover games. And if you'd like to advertise or sponsor a game to be covered, get in contact with us on We Are cavan at gmail.com um, or on Twitter and Facebook and we can send you on details of the cost of doing so because we still want to cover the games but there are costs involved and unfortunately we, we can't just continue to do it without uh, without the cost being covered so uh, get, let us know if you'd like to sponsor or advertise on wearecavan.com thanks a million for listening, best of luck to the Cavan ladies at the weekend and of course to all the Cavan Hamblers taking place taking part over in the worlds over in uh, the United States We are Cavan Podcast, because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people.